Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash supports. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, August 21st, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, soon to be perhaps Studio... K9, I'm Sarlene. Whoa, whoa, big news. Wait a second. I know. What? I just want to keep you on your toes, Patrick. Yeah, you said soon maybe, so we we, we don't know for sure. You might be teasing us with untruthful facts. It is not fake news. It will be Studio K9 tonight, whether or not that's a good idea. The cats are not leaving, though, so it'll be feline and K9. It'll be Studio Zoo. Studio Anomalia. Well, Uh, I can't really top that, so I'm just Patrick. He's Patrick Bajan. And uh, Roger Chang is here as well. Hi, Roger. Hello, everyone. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Tinder announced Tinder U exclusively for college students. It's a version of the app. Users must have a .edu email address and be geolocated on a college campus to participate. This is in the U.S. The service will roll out to iOS devices at four-year accredited not-for-profit schools in the United States. So this is a way to get their app usage in that segment of the population to increase significantly. Kind of like uh, how better numbers. Facebook started back in the day. Yeah, I feel this is a little bit different. Perhaps. Maybe not, though. <laughs> Google is redesigning the Google Fit app for Android and the Fit section of the Wear OS app for iOS. Google says it used recommendations from the American Heart Association and the World Health Organization to create two new rings users will be encouraged to close. Move Minutes tracks all kinds of movement beyond just steps, and Heart Points tracks activities that raise the heart rate from brisk walking to gym workouts. Yeah, sounds very familiar to Apple Watch users. Uh, BBC reports that the district of Kanur in India's southern state of Kerala, the same state that's been dealing with the flooding, is holding classes to teach children about fake news on on WhatsApp. 
A top official in the district, Mir Muhammad Ali, told the BBC they decided to teach children because the parents appear to believe everything they see on a phone is true. <laughs> they figured if we get to the kids, maybe that'll help diffuse the situation a little bit. All right, let's talk a little bit more about HTC, Patrick. Well, they announced it's their adapter to make the Vive VR headset wireless will be available for pre-order September 5th for $300. Shipment begins September 24th. If you have a Vive Pro, however, you'll need a $60 compatibility compatibility <laughs> compatibility pack as well which includes a connection cable foam padding and attachment device a sensor plugs into your pc's pcie card uh, slot which broadcasts to the adapter which htc says should get 2.5 hours on a charge vr gamers looking to cut the cord with their pc will be able to pre-order it from september 5th as we said this seems like an expensive device on top of an already expensive device, especially if you bought the Vive Pro, which is more recent and more expensive than the regular Vive and for which you need an additional compatibility pack. However, I mean, all this is true, uh, but the number one complaint that everyone has about VR headsets is the cables are nightmare. And sure, you'll still have cables, but at least they won't be entangling you between you and your PC. So I can see this seeing some uh, purchasing happen. Nick with a C says, how's this better than a wireless HDMI link plugged into your regular card? And the fact of the matter is that's because you need more than just HDMI uh, plugged in on this thing. Uh, so this this makes all of it uh, wireless, uh, which is helpful. Well, HTC Vive, not the Pro, but the HTC Vive costs about five hundred bucks now. I think it's down something like that, down yeah. from its original seven hundred or so. Um, so yeah, we're back to if you want a wireless VR headset, it's going to cost you eight hundred dollars. Plus, you have to already have a PC that's compatible with it. Not cheap, not cheap at all, but promising that i mean i think one of the things that holds some people up is the idea that they've got all this tethering and all this wiring and if if they can't just leave it plugged in uh you have it's it's a pain to have to to reattach every time uh so being able to just have uh, a, a terminal in the pcie card slot uh and pick it up when you're ready to play does make it a lot easier i don't know if it makes yeah, it 300 dollars be- easier yeah, I, I don't know. I think this is, you know, aimed at people who already have it, who have tried it, who kind of like it, but feel it's a pain to replug every time or the cables. So I don't think it's going to be sold with the uh, device initially, but people are going to get back to it thinking, well, I'm already 500 bucks in. What's another 300 to make it more usable? And convenience is important. And this makes it a little bit more convenient. Yeah. Uh, and, and also it takes care of the power, uh, which is another positive slash negative, right? Because now you can only use it for two and a half hours and maybe it won't quite last all two and a half hours all the time. I'm, mm. I'm curious. You can buy multiple, uh, batteries though and swap them out. So if you yeah, I, I don't think most people will use a VR headset for more than a couple of hours at a time anyway. So that kind of works out okay in the end. if you've been using your vr headset then more than two and a half hours consult another <laughs> battery <laughs> let's talk about reputation scores Ooh. remember that old yarn facebook has been testing assigning users a reputation score of zero to one 
this is over the past year, the score is just one measurement among thousands that Facebook uses to evaluate reports of problematic content. For example, if a user continually reports stories as false, that then Facebook decides are not in fact false, then that user's reliability score would be lower and reports from that user will weigh less in deciding whether to have third-party fact-checkers review a post. Yeah, and it's not that Facebook decides they're false. It's we refer them to the third-party fact-checkers and they say, no, that, that story's not false. And, and what they're running into a lot is people using the report button punitively to say, I don't right. like this. Story. I don't like this rather uh, than it's true or false. Exactly. It's, I don't, I don't agree with it, which is, you know, when I, when I first heard the story this morning, I was like, is it like a cloud score, you know, like, you know, based on your popularity and no, it really has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with how many people follow you or how active you are. It's more of, yes. Can Facebook determine that you are perhaps intentionally trying to bury things that you don't like rather than their truthiness. And it's an internal thing used among many other indicators to help streamline the process of fact-checking. I think a lot of people can easily overreact to this story because, it, you know, oh, sure, slippery slope. Maybe they'll start using it for other things. Maybe they'll make it public. But they have not at this point done either of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really clever way of dealing with the quote-unquote weaponization of reporting Mm. functionalities, which is an issue in every system. You know, if you report people on, for example, Twitch chat or things like that, there are are a lot of instances of um, where a reporting functionality is used for griefing. Um, so this mechanic could be used to address that. And that's quite interesting. All right. Here's another one that it's easy to overreact to. Uh, Microsoft acting on a court order has gained control of six domain names created by a group uh, that is variously referred to as either Fancy Bear or Strontium or APT28. Uh, the group is generally believed to be uh, a Russian group. The group created fake versions of three U.S. Senate sites. Microsoft's Office 365 site and the sites of the International Republican Institute and the Hudson Institute. And in all cases, the sites were doing spear phishing. Uh, They would try to get users to enter their username and passwords because they didn't realize they weren't really at the Microsoft Office 365 site or the International Republican Institute site and then steal them. Uh, It doesn't appear that they were were able to gather a lot of those kinds of usernames, uh, but it's hard to tell exactly. Both IRI and Hudson have been critical of Russia in the past, so even though they're conservative sites, that could be why this group was targeting them. Russian President Vladimir Putin said the government was unaware of the groups and did not, quote, know what this interference entails. So, again, it's, it's a tricky line to walk because the Russian government officially never acknowledges that they know anything about this. Uh, everyone in the U.S. usually jumps to the conclusion that they do, um, but there is no actual proof that they do. What is true is that these groups are attacking uh well i guess they're not attacking in this case they're creating sites in order to spearfish and gather information about people in political situations it's (laughs) you take it you started talking sarah you you get it well i just sighed heavily yeah i mean exactly it's it's 
whether or not Russia, you know, the government has anything to do with this, I, I don't, I don't know. They deny it. Okay. Even if that's, even if that's fine. Um, the fact that so many people are still, um, uh, are, you know, they, they get duped by spear phishing attempts of which these seem pretty sophisticated. You know, if you're like, this is a Microsoft 365 site that looks, you know, everything looks like it. It's I like, mean, we're all sort know? of used to that, but I can, mm-hmm. I can create a site that looks like the office 365 site. If you're not paying attention and, and sure. But I mean, are you going to, you know, be targeting a political figure? Well, and, but I mean that by my point is it's, it's actually really easy to create these sites. Uh, what's hard is to, is to, is to get the right people to be tricked into logging into them. But that's not terribly sophisticated. I think it's also, it's also telling that they would do this because this is not something you want to attack if you're not aiming for something specific. This isn't a money-making scheme. This isn't, you know, this is clearly political uh, uh, or, you know, state, whether or not, as you said, uh, you know, the, the Russian government act, we haven't, Definite. We don't have any definitive proof that they do, but it doesn't seem that you do this. I, mean, I know y'all are tempted to just run into the into the political storm. No, no, with no. This that's one. not my point. That's no, no, not my point. My my point is this isn't to make money. This isn't to extort anything. This is uh, uh, something that you do as a, a, a political attack, and so it's not. It's probably they're not going to make money out of it. So there's other motivations. No, I think it's very obvious that yeah. because it's Senate sites, the International Republican Institute and the Hudson Institute, what they were going after. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 is certain. But I, I just try to be careful to say what we actually know instead of passing what my hunch might be off as as actual facts. Of course, of course. I, I mean, I, that's what I was trying to do as well when I was saying this is probably politically motiv- yeah, motivated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. Bloomberg's Mark Gurman and Debbie Wu have sources who say Apple will release new low-cost laptops and a pro upgrade to the Mac Mini later this year. The laptop would supposedly have a 13-inch Retina display and be an entry-level option as well as an option for schools. So essentially a... A MacBook Air replacement. The Mac Mini will supposedly have new storage and processor uh, processor options at a higher price. So a beefed up Mac Mini. Do we need either of those? Yes, I need a beefed up Mac Mini. <laughs> but and you're you're using a Mac Mini for yeah, the show exactly. on a daily basis, Tom. Right. So I mean, you you know the limitations, and you know, you uh, know and the that of, of this of this machine. This Mac Mini is. Three and a half years old now, I think, roughly. Um, and it shows. Uh, it is tired and old. Um, <laughs> and I, I would like to replace it. I don't like the idea of having to pay more for it, but um, but yeah. <laughs> there, I've seen it tagged as the Mac Mini Pro uh, somewhere. Mm-hmm. which That's a supposition. Like a, it's probably like yeah. a likely name, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the more interesting for me is the uh, the thirteen inch Retina display, which is as we as I mentioned uh, probably a MacBook Air replacement, but it's also kind of in competition with the new MacBook, um, which is a twelve inch at the moment. And is it going to be a little bit bulkier, so still closer to the MacBook Air? Uh, 
I'm not sure. I mean, clearly it's going to be an entry level Mac, so we know who it's for. But it seems like the form factor and the use case is similar to the new MacBook. Would be similar to the new MacBook. Which it is, is weird not so to think anymore. that the new MacBook would be lighter than one they would call the Air. Uh, right. So maybe they don't call it the Air, or maybe this one ends up being lighter, even though it's a larger screen, uh, and and then the Air name still applies. Again, these Gurman's very good with leaks, so I don't doubt that it's very likely that Apple comes out with a new laptop and a new Mac Mini. What they'll actually name them, I mean, they might not have even decided on that yet. Who knows? Mm, it's possible. I I trust Apple has a solid strategy in place when it comes to market segmentation. Mm-hmm. If there's something we can't deny them, it's that they know what they're doing in that department. I do recall, and I'm not sure if it was the latest version of the Pro, but there was a MacBook Pro that technically was lighter than the MacBook Air at one point, you know, and everyone was like, how does that work? So, I mean, the the sort of the the weight aspect of it is important, um, but I don't think that the Air necessarily is just the lightest. It's it's more a form factor than a weight thing at this point. Yeah, and what's more important than the name will be the price. Uh, the, right now, the MacBook is a little bit expensive for people as an entry-level machine. So having a, a, a price that's under $1,000 for a laptop would be a good thing for Apple to be able to present. Let's talk about Netflix, which told TechCrunch it's testing the iTunes payment method in 33 countries. Specifically, until September 30th, some new or lapsed subscribers in selected markets across Europe, Latin America, and Asia will be directed to Netflix's website to renew their subscription rather than renew it through iTunes. The test started with 10 countries in June, then expanded to 33 on August 2nd, and plans to run that test until September 30th. Now, back in May, Netflix stopped taking payments through Google Play. So this is not specifically an Apple thing, but it sounds like the, they're trying to get around that 30% cut. Yeah. No, not get around, not have to pay it. <laughs> they don't, nobody well, wants to what, have to pay it. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Get, get around it. Not no, pay get around it. Yeah. it implies to be like, you know, oh, is, is there a way to sneak by? They're, they're not even trying to sneak by. They're like, we just won't go through the store at all. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not, it's not as if Apple doesn't understand this is happening. Yeah, Netflix yeah. is like, no, we're totally. doing this. Yeah. Like, taking and, their toys and, and going actually, home. Apple has addressed this, I think it was last year or the year before, where they changed their subscription uh, model, where they take 30% the first year, but then 15%. But it does beg the question about this. Like, if you have a solid, reliable subscription service that people love and you suspect are going to seek out anyway, do you want to be paying Apple 15% until the end of time um, because your customers just happen to have uh, subscribed on iTunes instead of through your website? Uh, I think if this kind of thing takes hold, we might see Apple reduce it even further for the first year and make it so people like Netflix don't want to bother. Or maybe it will always be worth it for Netflix to bother with this. I wonder if there will ever be a solution to this problem, because the way I see it, Apple's proposition is we're handling the payment processing, the relationship with the customer, the billing procedure so that you, the small app developer, 
uh, don't have to set all that stuff up. You don't have to have a billing department or anything. And in exchange, we take 30% the first year and 15% after that. That seems like a very equitable arrangement if you're a startup or a small if app you're developer the small guy, yeah. and you're getting going. That's awesome. What Apple doesn't want to do is let go of that relationship with the customer when the big guys like Amazon or Netflix come in and say, hey, you know what we have? Huge billing departments and customer relationships. We don't need that, Apple. Let us you know, sell through you and we'll give you a cut, but we're not going to give you 30% the first year and 15% after. And Apple just says, nope, one size fits all. You either play by our rules or you don't play at all. And and you make people jump through hoops to figure out how to subscribe to your stuff. And I think what Netflix is doing here is very interesting in, in saying, we give you a lot of money and we're going to take all that money away unless you come to a compromised position. And Amazon has done it. Voodoo has done it. Google has done it. They, there are, it, it is a broken part of the Apple system that I think Apple just needs to come up. I understand it's simpler to have one policy for everybody, but if a company is large enough to have its own billing situation, you know, maybe Apple and that company can come to an arrangement about sharing a little bit of that customer relationship and bring down the price so that I don't have to jump to the web to buy my Audible books anymore or renew Netflix. I, I completely agree. I think in the grand scheme of things, Apple, it doesn't really matter. It's really small potatoes for them. But I mean, it will, it is. But at a certain point, they have to look at the balance sheet if Netflix bails on this, you know, and say like, well, okay, how much more could we be making? Mm. And I'm sure they do. And right now they're like, not enough. We'll, we'll just keep it as it is. <laughs> if Amazon didn't make them, you know, yeah. buckle. Mm. I don't know. It just, uh, I don't know. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. Hey, so why doesn't Epic do that with Fortnite? If Netflix can do it, then, uh, anyway, so we'll talk about this. Well, they're here. trying it on Android first, maybe. Yeah. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. 
Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Coming next, yeah. Mm, Interesting. All right. Uh, Hey, uh, Sarah found this this article on CNBC today. Uh, Job search site Glassdoor compiled a list of 15 top employers that say they don't need their applicants to have a college degree for certain positions. Now, you don't always need a college degree for a position, but usually engineers, you know, skilled positions... You'll it's require, pretty standard. Yeah, you'll yeah. require a bachelor's degree at the very least. Uh, tech companies on this list include Google, Apple, and IBM. Uh, and last year, IBM's vice president of talent, Joanna Daly, told CNBC that 15% of her company's U.S. hires don't have a four-year degree and that IBM looks at candidates who have hands-on experience, things from a coding class maybe or an industry-related vocational class when they evaluate their applicants. You know, it's. I, I was. I was actually excited that Patrick was going to be uh, on today to talk to us about this, just because you've got the international perspective. But, <laughs> I, you know, I do have a four-year degree, an undergraduate degree. Never once has anyone ever asked me to, you know, make, you know, show them my diploma. But, but it exists. And if it didn't, I probably wouldn't lie about it. Um, but I do know a. a quite a plethora of people, many of whom are more successful than me, certainly financially, that don't have college degrees. I don't consider it to be a real factor. I mean, it's certainly not a factor of smarts and wits and and skill. We all know that. Um, but yeah, it seems that, you know, companies are, 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 are realizing as well that it's not the marker of the best candidate anymore. It's certainly surprising for me to hear this um first of all i think because in in france at least we don't have the same standardized four years undergrad then you go on to do your graduate grad school we have diplomas at like i know you also have a two-year thing but we have Mm -hmm. like two years three years four years and it's starting to be uniform uh, uniformified a little bit across europe so four years is getting a little bit more common but I think we I didn't realize that you attached that much importance to your four years degree. And um, my understanding is that the first two years are really general and that in France, we kind of cover this a little bit before. So anyway, the bottom line is my image of the U.S., which seems is extremely inaccurate, was diplomas don't matter all that much especially in the tech industries at companies like you know apple and probably others i mean google they did get started in a dorm in a university and ibm they are you know squares in suits from the history books but it would seem like companies in the tech sector would think, yeah, bootstraps, people who learn by themselves, who go and hack on on the machines they have. It's kind of a little bit mind-boggling that they would require a degree. You know, if if you think, yeah, some most people we would ask that they show us their degree. But if we come across someone who doesn't have one and who makes a compelling case for why he has the skills, 
you can't hire them because your policy is to require a degree? That seems very strange to me. At least it doesn't jive with the image I had of uh, these companies and the U.S. in general. Well, I think uh, – go ahead, Tom. Uh, no, all, all I want to say is it's not like there was a rule against it uh, or a law against it. But generally, you knew in the U.S. that if you didn't have some kind of, of post-high school education to show, you were less likely to get hired for these higher-level positions. So I, I'm not sure that it's that different in Europe when you, I know you have a different, and it's hard to compare because it's apples and oranges, right? You have a different collegiate system set up, but you, you're, I, I want to know, do you, are you saying that in France, uh, if someone came in and said like, oh no, I've done a lot of coding projects, but no, I have no degrees, uh, they would be equally as considered as someone who has gone through even a two or a three year degree? Well, probably not as equally considered, of and course. And that's, what, that's what's changing, is these companies are now saying, like, sure, sometimes we hire somebody because we can just tell they're really talented and they did something cool like Kevin Mitnick, you know, hacking or, or they created an app. <laughs> right. But what they're saying now is, you know what, if you've taken a code course and you can show it that you can code, we're not going to go through the formality of making you show us a community college degree even. We're just going to hire you based on talent. And I think that is a change. So I guess I was trapped by the headline a little bit, which if I read it, you know, literally, it says they no longer require employees to have a college degree, which I took to mean before that they required employees to have I mean, a college degree. Well, Almost, I mean, yes. Well, yeah, on paper, but it I was, don't think do it's you have a degree? The, I think, you know, one of the Maybe things I that I, I've noticed, and uh, it still happens, but, you know, there'll be stories every once in a while of like, so-and-so got this really lucrative job, but it turns out they lied about their degree, <laughs> right? Now, you know, you shouldn't lie about anything, right? But but that aside, the person lied about it because they're trying to get the job, because the job required them to have a degree that they didn't have. Did mm. they have the skills required to do the job really well? Perhaps they did. So... In my opinion, the less that we, you know, sort of, you know, offer, you know, or, or, or enforce these parameters that 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 keep people out of jobs that they actually might be really good at, um, because they may have learned their skills in different ways. And again, yeah, when it comes to coding and you know, computer science, and you know, there's so many different ways to gain knowledge. I mean, just having interest really is probably you're probably better off than having a degree in a lot of cases. Um, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of uh, companies realize this, and there's less emphasis on the traditional education system. At least in the U.S. A lot I guess that's what struck me the most. It's for this industry in particular to uh, value the degree. I understand. I mean, engineers, of course, you have to know your thing. But uh, I, I would think, and again, that's my view as a European, that they would consider the degree as one of the ways you would get into so wait, the when, position. When you have a job posting in France... And it says, you know, job requirements. We need you to be able to type this right. fast and know this. Degrees are not listed there? So I'll also reveal something that I've never really had a, a, a real job of that kind. <laughs> I've never applied to jobs. I kind of uh, uh, 
You just fell into them? I don't know what, I, what happened. Now I, I think I understand. Jobs. Yeah. So maybe that's why. I, I'm not, I never worked in a real company before. <laughs> but I, I mean, but you've seen job postings, right? <laughs> Have no? I though, Tom? All right, all right, all right. Have, I, have I ever been interested? No, I've seen them. I just get the feeling that, um, and, and again, I might be completely mistaken because of my lack of familiarity with this, even in France, but I have a feeling that, of course, a degree is the most common and most important way you would come by a job. But if somehow you manage to get experience in that field and have had different jobs before and have proven that you have had projects that are relevant to the, the experience you're being asked, then the degree is can be overlooked relatively easily. Maybe I'm wrong. But. Right. Well, I, I sort of liken it to, okay, so if I'm a trained pianist, right, and I can read music and I'm great at that, you know, and the person who's going to hire me to, you know, run the piano school, <laughs> right, they're like, yes, all the credentials are great. But what if I'm just good at it in some other way? And I think more and more companies realize that particularly when it comes to technical work, the four-year degree or, you know, or graduate degree or whatever you have, that's a great indicator that you're on the right track, but not the only one. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a matter of degrees. It's not – ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, good purpose. one. I can't help myself. Uh, it's, not, it's not that you – couldn't ever hire someone but the company policies were usually like well the job requirement is to have a four-year degree that's a weed out factor uh yeah. if but but you can make exceptions if you can if you can show and what what i think the story is is there are way more exceptions being made now and companies are even saying you know what you don't even have to have a four-year degree you just have to there's all these other ways you can show this is where i actually wanted to go with the story is there's all these other ways you can show your skill now it used to be the four-year degree or even the two-year degree was a, a shortcut to say, oh, you did train. But now you could say, oh, but I, I took this coding class. Or I took, you know, there's so many other alternatives now with online learning that are certified or at least, you know, trust reliable mm. that you don't have to, like, that's not the only way to show your skill. Listen, Tom, all I know is that the founders of most of these companies have dropped out of college. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, this is very ironic. Just saying. You know what's not ironic? Our subreddit. Thanks, everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. What's in the mailbag, Sarah? Well, I'm glad you asked, Tom. Craig. That's how he spelled it. With That's lots because of- uh, oh, starting at, at Nerdtacular, we began to refer to him as Craig. Craig. Yeah. Well, Craig has thoughts on Friday's episode. We had our guest, Shannon Morse, who was giving us our DEF CON wrap up. And we were talking about hotels and the whole thing. So Craig said, you mentioned that DeepMind is working with Google on using neural networks to control data center coding, co- cooling rather. I happen to work on that project. This project was piloted at one of the Iowa data centers as a, and is being implemented worldwide. It's very interesting to see that the AI becomes more efficient at operating the cooling system. And then we need to keep a closer eye on it because it tries to figure out how to save even more energy. But sometimes that's detrimental to the equipment. So then we have to rein it in until it stop doing that. It's, a, it's potentially damaging equipment. And can you please not be 
so efficient. To address Shannon's comment about security, it's a valid question as mainly addressed by the two-factor system in which the actions are compared against constraints that are programmed locally and cannot be overridden remotely due to hardware design. Awesome. I, I love uh, that a member really cool. of our community that at one point was just motorcycling across America and stopping at Nerdtacular in Salt Lake City, <laughs> now working inside the data center where they're doing the, the deep mind testing. That's fantastic. Yeah, thanks for the info, Craig. Very cool. And also thanks to Patrick Beja for being with us this fine Wednesday. Tuesday. Tuesday. Almost. Oh, you were Almost just thinking Wednesday. Australian. In Australia, yeah. it's Wednesday. Yeah. I don't well, know actually, uh, for, for two minutes, it's been Wednesday in Finland as well. So oh, you got it right. There you go. See? See? I'm on top of it. Patrick, what's been going on with you since we saw you last? Uh, you know what? Pixels has been going on. That's a gaming show that I do every couple of weeks. But uh, we just recorded an episode with Alicia Judge where we talk about a bunch of things that happened in the past month because I took one episode off. So just go subscribe to Pixels if you're interested in gaming in general and a show that covers that in detail. And uh, should we talk about MVGB or not yet? Let's uh, let's leave that for a bit. Well, yeah, we, we have uh, graduated the DTNS Labs games to its own feed, and that feed will be posted shortly everywhere, and we'll start talking about it. Uh, but uh, keep an eye out for that, the monthly video game briefing. Exactly. Exactly. But for and, now, uh, yeah, well, you will always get the monthly video game briefing in your Patreon feed, uh, along with everything else. And we are still, I think, still 12 people away from our goal for the month. So, folks, uh, get all of the cool membership benefits at patreon.com slash DTNS. We love your feedback as well. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Keep them coming. Honestly, great stuff, everyone. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Scott Johnson. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. You have enjoyed this <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.